Well, man, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow up that. That was amazing. Give it up one more time for our band. Man, we had, we had two drum solos happening at the same time. My mind was getting blown. It's awesome. I'm thankful for all the talent that God's brought into Living Church. You guys, Christmas is seven days away. Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? It's right around the corner. In seven days, Christmas is here. In 168 hours, in only 10,800 minutes, in 608,400 minutes, Christmas is right around the corner. And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the chaos? Are you ready for the excitement? Are you ready for everything that's going to happen with Christmas being just around the corner? I mean, in just seven days, y'all, the wrapping paper is going to be ripped off of gifts. In just seven days, the dessert that your family has been waiting for you to make all year. Every family has that one dessert. And it's just going to be eaten so fast that you don't have any leftovers, and that's the worst. In just seven days, TBS is going to play a Christmas story 24 hours on loop for us to watch. And we're going to be reintroduced to our friend Ralphie. Remember Ralphie? And so we don't think about Ralphie all year until Christmas time. And we're going to see Ralphie stick his tongue to the pole, and it's going to get stuck again, right? And we're going to see uh, Ralphie beat up that one kid again, and we're going to see Ralphie go before Santa Claus and ask for a football. But what he really wants is a Red Ryder BB gun, and Santa's going to say to him, you'll, you'll shoot your eye out, kid, right? It's seven days away. Christmas is right here, and I get excited about everything that is even affiliated with Christmas. And for me, growing up, I anticipated Christmas, I was looking forward, I was getting ready, I was salivating for Christmas to come because I knew everything that it would bring. And so parents, you've got to remember that this is the longest week of your kid's life. Like Christmas, the week before Christmas is the longest week for a kid. It's even longer than the week before summer break because they're anticipating, they're preparing everything that's going to happen. And in my house, Christmas was a big deal. As a matter of fact, my parents kind of held it over my head for five months. Like if it was September and I asked my parents to buy me something, they would say, Christmas is coming. I'm like, it's September. I need pencils for school. Wait till Christmas, right? Uh, if, if I got in trouble in October, I did something I shouldn't do, my mom would say, trust and you got to act right. Christmas is coming. I'm like, it's not even Halloween yet. Like I got to start thinking about Christmas. They held it over my head, which if you think about it, it's actually a pretty good strategy, moms and dads, because instead of going into debt in December, you just deprive your children for five months, and then you make money in the process, and then they're happy in the long run. So Rachel, we got to start working on that as we get, as our kids get older. Man, and I would be excited about Christmas. The, uh, the one room in our house, the, the guest room, you know, the spare bedroom, all year I had access to this bedroom. All year I could go in there anytime I wanted. But once December 1st hit, it was locked up. It was shut down. Trustin could not have access to this spare bedroom because it's where my Christmas gifts were stored in the closet on the top shelf. Christmas glory, y'all, was hidden in the closet, and I was denied access. So this week before Christmas is a big, big deal, and it's exciting. It's exciting as we look forward to everything that's connected to Christmas. As a, as a kid, I used to take inventory of everything I would be receiving, right? I would be thinking about, well, I know this grandma gives me $50, so I'd write it down. I know this grandma's, I'm creating a plan before the money comes in, right? That's what the Bible says to do, make a plan with your finances. And so I know this grandma's going to give me $100. And then I had this one great aunt who every year was such a great buildup. She would call me over, trust me, I love you. I believe in you. You can do anything. And then she would give me a card. And every year in that card, 
two bucks. And so my mom had to talk to me about how you have to rem- you have to act, you know, like you're really thankful. And so I had to fake it till I could make it, right? And so I had to be thankful for the two dollars. Then I have the one aunt, you know, we have the one aunt who every year would ask what I wanted for Christmas, and I would tell her, and then she would buy me the knockoff version, the bootleg version of the thing I asked for. So I wanted a transformer, but she bought me a transmorpher. I don't know what a transmorpher is, but that's what I got. And then I had that uncle uh, who instead of buying me a gift as an eight-year-old would give me a book and I'm like I'm eight years old I don't care about the Civil War you know like buy me a remote control car and so I would take inventory and I would prepare up to Christmas for everything that was coming my direction but you see the truth is even though we can celebrate those things even though we can be excited about all that stuff the reason for the season is Jesus right and he's provided a gift to us that goes far beyond anything that can fit under a tree far beyond anything that's in a plate that can go into our mouth that Jesus has provided a gift to us that keeps on giving and it's the gift called joy and in this series we've been talking about how with salvation that when we ask Jesus into our heart that we have joy that's birthed within us that the joy is living deep down in us so the best part of Christmas isn't Ralphie the best part of Christmas isn't the gifts it isn't the time off of work the best part of Christmas is Jesus and you see joy and Jesus are synonymous joy and Jesus are connected they're the same thing you can't have one without the other and when you accept Jesus into your heart the Bible says that he will fill you with a whole new level of joy when Jesus' birth was announced by the angels to the shepherds they said this in Luke chapter 2 verse 10 it's our key scripture for the series the angel said I bring you good news everyone say good news that will cause you great joy say great joy for all people because today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you he is the Messiah our Lord and I love this verse because it tells us this it, it, it outlines two things that are gonna happen you're going to have you're going to receive uh, good news but then also have great joy and there's a difference let's say that uh, my friend pastor Andrew won the lottery okay he won the lottery he won ten million dollars and so I would go to Andrew, he said, nice. And I, so I'd go to Pastor Andrew, I'd say, man, man, that is good news. That is good news that you won the lottery. I would be excited for him because he's my friend. I would be thankful for his blessing. But if he were to turn around and say, but trust him, yeah, that's good news. But I gotta tell you something, I'm gonna split it with you. I'm gonna give you five million. Who knows that that would turn into great joy, right? And now I would have great joy in my heart. And it went from this concept of good news to once it became personal, I then had great joy. And that's what God did when he sent Jesus down to the earth, is he said, hey, I have good news that I'm a good God who loves you and have a plan for you, but I want to make it personal, and I want to fill you with great joy. And that's why we celebrate over the holidays the coming of our newborn king, Jesus Christ. You see, joy, it's more than a Christmas cliche. It's more than just something that's thrown around on wrapping paper or a coffee mug. Joy is something that is really attached to Jesus. It's synonymous with Jesus and joy was provided for us at salvation. But in life, sometimes hard things can come up, right? We can go through difficult seasons, we can have hard times, and those difficult things, what they do is they try to bury our joy. Last week, we talked about that mishandled unhappiness can bury your joy. That when we mishandle the unhappiness in our life, it can push the joy down. But that joy is a decision, not a destination. So we can make the choice and say, you know what? I'm not going to let all this bad stuff that might be going on to steal my joy because it's down, 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 down in my heart. So I'm going to remember that and I'm going to pull it out and I'm going to put my joy on top of my problems. And when we do that, we can live with a whole new level 
of joy. We can't just run around seeking happiness, you know, because happiness is based on what's happening. It's based on our happenstance. But joy is something that's down inside of us deep. And in this Christmas season, what we want to do is we want to have joy explode in your heart. We want joy to come out and overwhelm the negative situations and overwhelm the problem, but that only happens through Jesus. It's only through Jesus that you can have joy beyond the circumstances that are around you. So if you missed last week's sermon or any of the messages in this series, I would encourage you to go online and listen to those, watch those, and allow those messages to speak to you. So last week, we talked about how you can deal with getting your joy out from under the problems and put it on top of the problems when you remember God's plan, his protection, his provision, his peace, and your participation. That when we remember all the things that God has done for us, it can help us get over the difficulties and remember that he's the one that's provided our joy. So this morning, as we end the series talking about joy, we want to look at some of the most well-known characters uh, having to do with the birth of Jesus in the nativity. If you have a nativity scene at home, right on your kitchen counter or on a table, you probably have these little characters. You have little Mary and little Joseph and the wise men and the shepherds. And so we're going to look at these characters and we're going to see what happens in their life when they encounter Jesus. We're going to see what was going on with them before they met Jesus and then see the transformation of what happened after they met Jesus and how they went from trouble to being filled with joy. The first person I want to talk about is Mary, Mother Mary. And when we talk about Mary, we think of this powerful, godly woman, and that's who she grew into. But at the very beginning, when we met Mary, she was simply a teen mom. She was a mom who found herself in a situation that she didn't know how to handle it. She didn't know what to do. And we find that in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, it says this. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Look at what Mary was dealing with. It says, confused and disturbed. So Mary is confused. She's disturbed. She's overwhelmed. She's like, why is there an angel talking to me? And what is this guy talking about? She said, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. So Mary is confused, disturbed, and afraid. And he says, for you have found favor with God. You will, con you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And the angel goes on and gives some details about how Jesus will, be, uh, will reign forever, that his name will be above every other name. But Mary is sitting there confused, afraid. She doesn't understand why this is happening. And so Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. She's confused, disturbed, and afraid, and she's probably asking herself a million questions, right? She's asking herself, how am I going to explain this to Joseph? How am I going to explain this to my mom and dad? What are people in my community going to think? What are people in this highly religious society going to think of me showing up pregnant but not yet married? So she's feeling very overwhelmed. And so maybe you're here this morning and you relate with Mary. Maybe you find yourself in a situation where people are looking at you and they're looking at something that you've done in your past and it feels like everybody around you is judging you. And maybe you can relate to Mary because you're confused. Whatever's going on, you don't know how to get through it. You don't know how to deal with it. Maybe you can relate with Mary because you're afraid. There's something that's happening that you're going, man, 
I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. Well, if that's you, if you relate with Mary, I want you to see what happens to her when she has an interaction with Jesus and the joy that comes into her heart. So after Mary talks with the angel, she says, you know what, I've I got to talk to somebody. I've got to go out. I've got to seek some wisdom. And so she sets up a time to go and meet with her cousin, Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth, uh, the Bible tells us, is six months pregnant herself. And so Elizabeth's about to have a baby, and when she has that baby, she names her baby John. Because as John grows up, he turns into a guy who follows God, and he baptizes people. He's John the Baptist. But Elizabeth doesn't know this, and Mary's yet to know this, so Mary walks to Elizabeth's house to go talk to her, and look at what happens when she gets there. She says hi to her cousin, and then it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 44, it says, uh, Elizabeth says, when I heard your greeting, when you said hello to me, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. So Mary walks in being pregnant with baby Jesus, but she doesn't know, there's not sonogram machines back in the day, y'all, so she doesn't even know this has happened yet. She's walked in, she's confused, she's stressed out about what the angel says, she walks into Elizabeth, John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth jumps for joy, and Elizabeth confirms to Mary that what happened in her is real. And in this moment, Mary realizes something that's in her. She realizes that God has put something great in her. And look at what it goes on to say, what Elizabeth says. She says, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said he would do. So Elizabeth speaks life into a situation. Where Mary feels like there's no hope, she now feels like, oh, God has put something in me. There's something powerful in me. And you know, when Rachel was pregnant with our kids, I learned that she was the first one to meet our children. It wasn't a doctor that delivered them. But a mother who's pregnant with a child can even begin to learn the personality of that child before they're born, can learn the, 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 the things that get that child excited and can learn that baby. And so Mary begins to learn what's in her, and now she receives affirmation. Now, so from this moment that she meets Jesus, she has a transformation. And she goes from confused and overwhelmed and afraid to look at what happened. In, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, Mary goes full-on high school musical, y'all. She starts singing songs. I don't know if she's dancing. There's like choreographed people coming out of the scene with umbrellas and doing dances. And look at what it says. She says this, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, and how my spirit rejoices. She has joy, so she begins to sing, In God my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation. His mighty hand, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has filled the hungry with good things. You see the transformation in Mary? That she went from confused and overwhelmed and afraid to rejoicing and happy and thinking positive thoughts about her future. Not only her future, but proclaiming that she will be blessed for all generations. And you see, that's what happens when you have an intersection with Jesus. When you interact with Jesus, he'll not only save you, but he'll fill you with joy. And he can take you from a situation that you don't see how it's going to work. And he can take you through things that you're thinking, man, there's no way anybody's going to love me again. There's no way anybody's going to look at me and see me as valuable. I'm dirty. I'm used. I'm tainted. But then you have a connection with Jesus, and he can bring joy into your life. Last week, we talked about a scripture in Psalms 94, verse 19. It says this, when my worry is great within me, your comfort brings joy to my soul. And so I want to speak that to you this morning, that if you're in a situation that you're worried about, that you're afraid in, 
that you don't know how it's going to work, be encouraged. Because in Jesus, he will bring comfort to your soul that will lead to joy if you have a connection with him. So the first person that we need to learn from, that we need to look at, is Mary, who was afraid but then came out rejoicing. The second character in the nativity scene, probably on your kitchen table, is none other than Joseph. Joseph, what Joseph is walking through, is really unbelievable. I can't even imagine walking through this situation myself. So we find Joseph's story uh, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So Joseph is a righteous man. He's a good guy. But he finds out, Mary comes to him and says, hey, I got this crazy story to tell you. I'm pregnant, but it's not by anybody around town. And Joseph's going, I don't believe this story. This is crazy. And so he's going to break up with her. I mean, back in the day, or today, Joseph would have simply called Maury Povich and took her on the show. And he'd been like, you know, let's do a paternity test up in here. And so, but that wasn't an option. So Joseph, he says, hey, I'm just, I don't want to disgrace her publicly, so I'm going to break up with her quietly. But God comes along, and look at what he does. It says, as he considered this, as he's thinking about it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph thankfully decided to stay with Mary. Because if Joseph would have broke up with Mary, who knows, she could have started dating some guy named Kevin or something, then it would have been like Mary and Kevin. That would have been a weird Bible story, right? And so she sticks with, Joseph sticks with her, they get married, everything's headed in the right direction, except then something hits the fan that Joseph doesn't know what to do with. The Roman emperor, Augustus, he throws out this decree and he says that he's going to plan a census. And so he says that everybody in the Roman Empire needs to go back to their hometown, go back to the place that their ancestors lived. And the reason that he does this is because he wants to uh, create a higher level of taxation. And so he says, if I can get everybody to go back to their hometown, then what we'll do is we'll count everybody that's there, and then in this region, I'll charge that region a certain amount of money. And so now the people will police themselves. Because if this region needs money, they're going to reach out to people that live in other places and say, hey, you better pay up or we're going to get in trouble. And so Joseph has a pregnant wife or a pregnant girlfriend, fiance at this point. The baby isn't his. Now he has to take her out of town, put her on a donkey, nine months pregnant, ride her through the desert and go to a town that he hasn't been to maybe in his whole life. Who knows that Joseph isn't having a good day? And so on your nativity scene, Joseph may be smiling in his little carved wooden figure, but he probably wasn't too happy in the situation because what's in front of him is very looming. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 2. It says, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire, all returning to their own ancestral town to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judah. David's ancestral home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who is now expecting child. So we know the story, right? Mary and Joseph, they roll into Bethlehem, 
and she's about to have the baby. She's about to pop, y'all. It's go time. It's serious. And so he goes and he tries to get a room for them. He goes to an inn. He talks to the innkeeper, and the innkeeper says, hey, you know what? Sorry, all the rooms are full. We don't have any rooms for you in the inn. And my whole life hearing this story, I would get a little bit frustrated. Because what you're supposed to do when you read the Bible is you're supposed to insert yourself into the characters. And so I would think about if I were Joseph, what would I do? Well, the first thing that I think that I would do if I couldn't find an inn, a room in an inn, is I would try to bribe somebody. And so I think that this shows us their financial situation. Because if, if Joseph would have had a pocket full of Benjamins or Caesars, Augustus, right, he would have went up to somebody and bribed them and he would have got a room. But I think he didn't have the resources to be able to do that. But then the next thought is if I was Joseph, what I would do is I would go door to door in the inn, knock on doors, and whenever some little skinny guy opened the door, I would just grab him by his neck and throw him in the street and say, thanks for the room, right? My, I mean, his wife's having a baby, right? Like, get a room. And so they can't find a room, and, he, and so it just frustrates me because I've been kind of mad at Joseph my whole life. Like, come on, Joseph, man up. Like, man up, go fight, like, go find a room. Like, if that were me, no matter what's happening, I'm going to find a place better than a barn for my wife to have a baby. But yet he can't do it. And I've been frustrated, but then I realized something, that Joseph had something else going against him. He wasn't married. So Joseph and Mary aren't married. They're going to a very religious area, and the Bible tells us that if a woman gives birth, everybody under that house, is under that roof, is considered unclean for seven days. But not only would they be unclean, but they're not even married, so they're in sin. And so as they're going to the inn, it's not only that he doesn't have enough money or he doesn't have enough muscle, it's that they have a spiritual problem, that they're viewed as unclean, they're viewed as dirty. And so that means that Joseph has a problem that he cannot solve. And as men, there's nothing worse, right? There's nothing worse as a guy than having a problem that you can't figure out. Because as guys, we're fixers is what we do. Our wife says, I need to talk to you. And then they tell us their problem. And then what we want to do is we want to provide their solution. And they say, no, I just want you to listen. And we say, why? I want to help you fix the problem, right? As men, we're all akin to the great philosopher, Vanilla Ice. You know what he said? He said, if you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. And so what we want to do is we want to step into problems and we want to provide solutions. But Joseph has got to be extremely frustrated and angry and even brokenhearted and disappointed in himself because he can't meet the need. Anybody relate with Joseph? That you've got stuff going on in life that you can't figure out? That you're trying and you're working and you're, you're fighting and you're doing everything that you can, but yet every door you go to, you get a no for a variety of reasons? You don't have enough money? No, we were already here. You're not good enough. Which, by the way, if I could take a rabbit trail out of the Christmas story, I think that Jesus, as he was growing up, he probably heard Mary and Joseph tell the story. Like, this is an amazing story, right? And so Mary and Joseph, they have dinner company over, and Joseph is like, tell them that story. Tell them about how we couldn't get a room. And so Mary's telling, you, you know, y'all do that. I do, Rachel and I had to do that. And so, and so we act like we didn't know we were going to tell the story. We already knew. She just sets me up, bumps that spike, and then I tell the story. And so that's what Mary and Joseph do. And so Jesus grew up hearing about this story. And so Jesus hears about how his mom and dad were shunned because they were viewed as unclean, because they were viewed as living in sin, so they weren't accepted. And I think it's amazing that as Jesus grew up, that he himself turned into the Good Samaritan, 
that he himself accepted Zacchaeus, the sinner, that he himself talked to the woman at the well, that he himself saved the lady caught in the act of adultery. And I think the reason that he had that heart to accept those people is because he heard his mom and dad talk about what it was like to not be accepted. And so as Christians, we need to remember that we need to be accepting of people, even if they still have some issues in their life, because guess what? At one point in our past, so did, so did we. Okay, back into the Christmas story. I just, couldn't not, I just couldn't not go there for just a second. So back into the Christmas story. Joseph is frustrated. He's brokenhearted. He's overwhelmed. He doesn't know what to do, and he can't solve the problem. And I think that a lot of us can understand his feeling. So we're going to come back to Joseph in just a minute. We're going to look at two other Bible characters. But I want you to remember, men in the room, what you would feel like if you were in his situation. Ladies in the room, what you would feel like if you were faced with something that no matter how hard you tried, no matter what you did, you just couldn't deal with it. The third character that we want to look at are the shepherds. We all love the shepherds, right? They're there in their little Bible costumes. They got a little stick with a little curl on the end. They got sheep following them, right? And the shepherds in that day would have been considered uh, kind of the bottom of the totem pole in society. They lived out in the fields, not even in community with other people, and they would just take care of the animals. And so they weren't well-known, they weren't revered, they weren't very important people in that society in that day. And the Bible tells us this in Luke chapter 2 about the experience the shepherds have. It says, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So they have like a laser light show out in the middle of the desert. And it says, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. Those are the backup singers. Uh, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth and to those who his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him... They spread the word concerning what they had been told about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I want you to look at the transformation that the shepherds went through. So the shepherds, they go from these guys living out in a field, bored, watching something that they'd seen every day. They're watching slow, stupid, sleeping animals on a hill. Into, they have this interaction with Jesus, and they're literally in the middle of the precipice of the greatest moment in human history. The moment that God puts on flesh and comes down to earth to live among us. That's what happens when you have an interaction with Jesus. That if you feel like your life is meaningless and you're just kind of living it out in the field and nobody's seeing what you're doing, nobody's paying attention to you, when you have an interaction with Jesus, he can put you on the front lines of something amazing. You see, the shepherds, they have a transition from going to seeing something they see every day. They see little white bumps on a hill, sheep to now they have angels in the sky with an army of singing angels singing glory to God in the highest with laser light show going off. I mean, it's better than a Beyonce concert, y'all. Like, they're seeing something that is amazing. So the transition from by themselves to interacting with Jesus is life-changing for them. They, they go to doing something not important, not even being around people, to now having this news that is inspiring 
Before they had nothing to say, and now when they say things to people, it fills them with joy. Normally when they would walk into town, people would be frustrated they were there because they would smell bad and they would have nowhere to stay. And they're used to sleeping on the ground, so now they're just sleeping on the street. And so people used to be annoyed with them, but now that they're in town, people are hungry to talk to them. Why? Because of their interaction with Jesus. So do you relate with a shepherd? Are there times in life that you feel unimportant? Are there times in life that you wake up, brush your teeth, go to work, come home, go to bed? Wake up, brush your teeth, go to work, come home, go to bed? Are there days that it feels like you're just burning your days away and you're not doing anything meaningful with your life? You need to have an interaction with Jesus. Because when you do, he can put you on the precipice of the greatest thing that's ever happened in human history and that you have the power to share his story, to go out and love people in the world around you. Because Jesus is the joy bringer. Jesus is the one who brings joy. It's not about what's under the tree. It's not about watching Ralphie at Christmas. It's not about any of that stuff. That's all fun. But Jesus is the joy bringer that we need to be intentional to have interactions with. Luke chapter 2, verse 20. It says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which as they did what they were told to do. So some of us this morning, you may relate with the shepherds, and if you do, you're in a great place because he has a great plan for your life. So, so far we've looked at Mary, we've looked at Joseph, we've looked at the shepherds, but then the other character that we want to look at today are the wise men, right? We all know the wise men. We three kings of Orienta, right? We know their song. It's arguably the worst Christmas song of all the Christmas songs. Those are the only words I know and I had to look them up on YouTube. But they have this song about them, but these guys are massive role players in the story. Now you look at them, and they're completely different than the shepherds, right? The shepherds have no influence. The shepherds have no power. The shepherds don't even have a whole lot of money. But now you have these guys that come in that are wise men, that have all the influence, that have all the prestige, and have all the resources, but yet God interacts with them also. So you see, whether you would feel like you're a down and outer like a shepherd, or whether you would feel like you're an up and inner like the wise men, God wants to have an interaction with you. You see, nobody gets to the point that they have enough money that they don't need God. Because isn't it amazing? (laughs) Isn't it amazing that the wise men who have everything that they need are still searching for something else? Because you see, the thing that makes you joyful is not based on your happiness. It's not based on external things. Joy is not external. Joy is internal. So we pick up their story in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. He's the bad guy. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. He told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. So Herod's plan was to have these guys go out, find Jesus, come back and tell him so that he could kill Jesus. Here's the reason. Because Herod knew the power of the God of Israel. He knew the stories. He remembers when God parted the Red Sea. He remembers about how they went and marched around Jericho on the walls fell down so so herod is afraid and so he's saying i want to circumvent this king from coming into power so i'm going to go and try to kill him but you see that's the same reason that the wise men were there because the wise men were there to create an alliance with the israelites 
because they know the story of the, the, the God of Israel. And so they've traveled from the east bringing gifts to create an alliance with a baby king. And it goes on and it says this, After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned, their own <clears throat> they returned to their own country by another route, which God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Such an amazing concept, the difference of these two guys. The shepherds came in and people were frustrated, but the wise men came into town and the king asked for a private meeting with them. And maybe this morning you relate to the wise men. And you would say, you know what, on the outside, it looks like everything's together. My bills are paid. I got a nice car in the parking lot. I've already spent a lot of money at Christmas. I got a good job. Everything's looking good on the outside. But on the inside, I know I'm still seeking. On the inside, I know that I'm still missing something. You know, it's funny that some of the richest people I've ever met in my life are the most unhappy. They're the ones that are the most unfulfilled. And it's because they've got everything called happiness, and they're swimming in the deep end of happiness, or in the shallow end of happiness, but yet they know that there's more. And so I want you to know this morning that I want to challenge you to continue in your journey of faith, because God wants to use you to propel his purpose. If you're a wise man, if God's done great things in your life, he wants to use you to propel his purpose. So look at what happens. The wise men come with their money. They come to create an alliance with this baby king. And so they bring him gifts. Now, I don't have time to teach on the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't have time. But I want to talk about the power of what they brought, the gold that they brought. Now, we think and we see in our imagery that the wise men have this little chest full of gold. But these guys are kings creating an alliance. So think about what they would bring. Today, I Googled it this week, that they're, they're from the east, so they're Arabian kings. Right now, there are three Arabian kings worth personally between 18 and $30 billion. That's personally, not their country. So in that day, these, these nations were extremely wealthy. So the gifts that they brought, the finances they brought to give to baby Jesus were massive. Here it is. Remember how Joseph felt? Remember how Joseph felt like there was nothing that he could do? There was Joseph that felt like he couldn't lead his family. There was Joseph that felt like he couldn't get a room. Then in this one moment, Joseph could have went and bought a franchise at the inn. Joseph could have went and bought the whole thing. Because these, these kings from the east came in and gave him the equivalent of millions of dollars in gold. And so he went from not understanding what to do, not knowing how it's going to work out, thinking that there's no hope, to in one moment, he had an interaction with Jesus. Joseph met his son, Jesus, and then joy filled his life. Yeah. And it became personal. The $10 million blessing came to him, and he said, oh, now I have joy. And it's amazing to think about how good that is for our life. Because you think about it, where Joseph and Mary left Galilee to head to Bethlehem isn't that far of a distance. But yet the wise men traveled all the way from the east. You know what that means? That means God sent the answer to the problem before Joseph was even aware it was a problem. And in your life, no matter what you're facing, God has already sent you an answer. 
God already has provision on its way. So don't be afraid, don't be scared, don't be overwhelmed. God is your provider, he's in heaven and he does as he pleases and he will send your provision if you'll follow him. God moved the entire Roman Empire. He created a census, he used an evil king to shake Joseph, to rattle Joseph, and to get one man, his fiancée who was pregnant on a donkey, to move from one city to another. And Joseph was frustrated in the process. And he couldn't have been happy in the situation. And he wasn't loving staying in a barn. But what he didn't know is that God had three wise men trekking his direction, and then they intercepted each other, and life change happened. And so if you related with Joseph, your day's coming. God has a plan for you. Don't feel overwhelmed. Don't feel like it's over. Don't feel like there's no way out of it. God has somebody coming. He has a situation. He has a job. He has his healing. He has a provision. He has a word of encouragement. He has a wife. He has a husband. He has a child. He has something coming to you that you don't even see yet. It's because God is good and he has a plan for your life. The wise men were used in a massive way. They were used to propel the calling that God had on Jesus. So Joseph and Mary and Jesus left Bethlehem and they went to Egypt because Herod, the bad guy, was trying to kill baby Jesus. So an angel came to Joseph and warned him and said, don't go back the same way. Herod's trying to kill you. Go live in Egypt. And so they moved to Egypt, which is a foreign, which is a rich foreign country. Joseph was a carpenter, remember? And so they didn't have like, the Yellow Pages or Craigslist or Angie's List. You know, he couldn't just drum up work in Egypt. But because of the gift of the wise men, he was able to provide for his family for three years in a rich nation and then move back and reestablish himself after three years as a carpenter in his hometown. So God will provide not just for today, but he will provide for tomorrow. And he will provide for the direction and the destiny of your life. He has big things in store for you. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, we've been reading it all month. The angel said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The joy that comes with Jesus really hits your life when you make the decision to make it personal. And to say, I don't want this just to be a a concept that's floating out there, but I want to bring it into my heart and I want to make Jesus a part of who I am. So this morning, no matter who you related to in the story, Maybe you're related to Mary, right? And you're feeling confused or afraid. Or maybe you related to Joseph and you find yourself in a situation that you can't solve. Or you're related to the shepherds and you feel like your life has no purpose. And you feel like you're kind of living on the fringe and you're not really accomplishing anything. Or you're related to the wise men and you've got all the physical resources that you need, but there's still a hole in your soul that you don't know how to fill. No matter who you relate with, the answer is Jesus. See, the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have. I've messed up bad in my life, y'all. And as I look around at my friends on the stage, the guys in the band and the ladies in the singing, the worship team, you know, we've all messed up. All of the staff here at Living Church, we've all messed up. You're never going to go to a church in America with a pastor on a stage who hasn't sinned. And if they say they haven't, find another church, right? Because nobody's perfect. But you see, in our sin, in our brokenness, God sent his son to provide a way for us, to redeem our sin. And that if we ask him for forgiveness, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us. You all know the scripture that says that God, that whoever loved the world, sent his son 
to die for us and that whoever believes in him would be made new, would be made clean, would be made whole, would not perish. But the Bible doesn't stop there. And it says that Jesus didn't come to bring condemnation, that he didn't come to make us feel bad, but he came to give us life and life to the full. So this morning, if you're here and maybe a friend invited you, or you just kind of said, you know what, it's Christmas, let's go to church, or maybe you've been coming for a long time, you would say, you know what, Pastor, I feel like I'm far from God. Today can be the day that you connect, that you have your intersection with Jesus. So Living Church, if you would close your eyes and bow your heads, and maybe today's your day. You would say, you know what, I don't want to wait anymore. I don't want to wait anymore. I want to meet Jesus. I want to be filled with the joy in my soul that can help me through life and can provide a place for me in eternity in heaven. I'm simply going to count to three and ask that you would raise your hand and look up at me. We're not going to call you up here. We're not going to embarrass you. But we just want to connect eye to eye so that you can pray this prayer with us that says, God, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. And I promise that no matter what you've done, God wants to forgive you. Can I tell you good news? God loves you. God loves you. He's not in heaven mad at you. He's not up in heaven frustrated with you. He loves you. He's your heavenly father. And so if that's you this morning, on the count of three, just raise it up. One, two, don't wait. Three, raise it up this morning. If you would say, today's my day. Yep, right over here. See a couple hands over here on this side. Anybody else? Yep, right over here. Anyone else? Say, today's my day. I don't want to wait. I want to join these two. Say, today's my day. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. Living church, if you would, would you pray this prayer with me? And these few that raise their hand, just say, dear God. God. Say, dear God. God. Forgive me my sin and come into my heart. God, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I haven't been perfect, and I've made some mistakes, but I believe you love me, and I love you. Thank you, God. Amen. Can we give these few a hand this morning that made that decision to ask Jesus into their heart? You know, the Bible says that there's more rejoicing in heaven over one that accepts Jesus than anything else that happens on earth. So right now in heaven, they're erupting with joy because people are saying, you know what, I'm going to make a decision to live my life for Christ. Now, I want to pray for the rest of us before we go. While we were speaking, maybe you connected with one of the characters. Maybe you connected with Mary feeling confused. Maybe you connected with Joseph feeling you couldn't make a difference. Maybe you connected with the shepherds or the wise men feeling your life was insignificant or you had everything but were still empty. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you if you connected with one of those characters. And if I were you in the seats, I would be standing. And so if that's you and you would say, you know what, I want you to pray a prayer over me that I would be refilled with a new level of joy. If that's you, would you just stand with us this morning? We want to pray a prayer of blessing over you, over your home, over your family before we go in to this Christmas holiday. If you would, just put your hand on your heart as we pray. God, I thank you for these great people. And Lord, whoever they related with this morning, whatever is going on in their life, Father, I pray that right now that you would meet them and that you would let them know that you love them and that you have a great, great plan for their life. And Lord, that they wouldn't feel overwhelmed, that they wouldn't feel discouraged, but that they would know that in Jesus, we're not only saved, but we can be filled with joy. And as we get ready to walk into 2017, we wouldn't be frustrated with what's behind us, but we would be encouraged about what's in front of us. We thank you, God, for who you are. In your name, we all said amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning for how great he is.